Let's open our Bibles, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse 13. We talked last time about making choices, you know, that our choices matter, and they do matter. Our choices matter, and, and uh, we have a part to play in our whole relationship with God, that we make a choice to believe in Him, we make a choice to receive Him, we make a choice to surrender our lives to Him, to accept what He has to offer to us. And we saw in the last time we looked at uh, 2 Thessalonians that, you know, there were those who refused. They made the choice. They refused to believe. They refused to believe God's truth. And and uh, it says they will perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved in verse 10, if you see it there. And then later in verse 12, it says that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth. Later in, in uh, we read in the book of Acts, you know, about those that over and over they had a choice. And the, the gospel was preached, the message was preached, and they had a choice whether they would receive or not receive. And, and you and I have that opportunity to make a choice. We have that choice. That's what we looked at the last time we were here. We have our part. But then, there's God's part in the whole thing. I referred to that. I spoke about that for a couple of minutes. But these next verses kind of get to where God's part is in the whole thing. And, and we kind of look at them both side by side because they're both there in the Scripture that we have a part to play. But God has a part to play too. So we kind of... I guess it's only fair, right, that we give God equal time. Is that, does that make sense? We should give God equal time. The problem is, or the, the point really about that is, is that there's nothing equal about it. We give God equal time, but there's nothing equal about it between our part and God's part. You'll see what I mean as we, as we move along here. We, we have, you know, our testimony. I'm going to give my testimony about how I came to Jesus and about how I believed in Jesus and, and I gave my life to Jesus and my life was changed because I surrendered and I, 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 you get the point, right? And that is true to an extent, but really kind of misses the whole picture is that God has done something in my life. That's why I've titled the message... Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul because it really is God who saved me. I didn't save myself. What can I do? I was a, uh, he, he was asking to people surf. I was a body surfer and a stupid drug, druggie in San Diego, California. You know, I had hair back then. Someday I'll actually show you a picture and prove it because I know you don't believe that. But God did a work in my life I didn't do anything. I didn't change me. I didn't make myself new. I didn't, you know, bring myself to be born again. God did it. And so I, I want to say thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. You know, how many of you know that, cor that little chorus? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me that great salvation, so rich and free. By the way, they call them choruses because that's what it was. It was a chorus of a song 
back in 1940 it was written. And, uh, you know, you ever wonder why they say we're singing choruses? Because that's what kind of in the Jesus movement came about. They would, they would sing just the choruses of the song because nobody knew all the songs. So they would just sing the choruses. So we kind of developed that, that name for it. Let's read the verses, shall we? Because we want to see what God says about this, what the Word of God says about it, and kind of try to fit this all together. It's not always easy. It's not always easy to, to understand how these things work together. Verse 13, But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this so to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we pass on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Let's pray together. Father, open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes to your word. Lord, we, we thank you that you've preserved it for us, that we could study it even now. Some 2,000 years later, Father, uh, when this letter was written, Father, help us, guide us. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name. To God be the glory. He says here, he starts off by saying, we ought always to thank God for you. We ought always to thank God. To God be the glory. That's where we have to focus. That's where our focus should be. Thank God that my life has changed. Thank God that your life has changed. Thank God for what he has done, that, he, that it's the grace of God, and we know that the grace of God is defined as what? God's riches at Christ's expense, that's one, one way to define it. What's another way? Getting what we don't deserve, undeserved favor. He gave it to us because we didn't deserve it. It's something God gave to us at Christ's expense. He gave it to us free. We didn't earn it. We didn't, we didn't do something that we could make ourselves more worthy to have it. He saved us beginning to end. He saved us beginning to end. He saved us. We read in these verses here, it says He loved us. It says He chose us. It says He sanctifies us. He calls us. You and I were lost. We were lost. And then we said, oh, I know what I'll do. I know, I know how I'll become right with God. No, I was lost. When you're lost, you're lost. You, you know, people pull up in the parking lot, lot out here all the time. And we're going to start charging because they ask for directions that we're lost. And, and I say to them, good luck. You'll find it. Just follow your heart. And they go, listen, they want to punch me. No, I don't say that to them. I tell them, I say, we're, they say we're lost. We say, I say, go turn right here, turn there. Go by the Burger King. You're trying to get to Kwanzaa. You, you went the wrong way. And most of the time they listen and they find where they're going to. You and I were lost apart from Jesus. He came and he made the initiative. He took the initiative to reach into my life. Somebody came to me and said, hey, you know what? I wanted to tell you there's a church over here and you might like it. He wasn't pushy. He wasn't forcing me. He said, you might like it. Come and check it out. They got a lot of music there. Okay, I like music. Okay, I go and I said, oh, wow. 
And I just listened to what they had to say. I just listened. The truth, the question is, could you and I ever, ever, ever save ourselves? Could you save yourself? It, it, when I thought about that, it made me think about, you know, Jesus on the cross, right? We, we read it in, in the Gospels. Jesus was on the cross, and, and, and the, the soldiers were making fun of him. And what did they say to him? He's, you know, they said this, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And then it said later in the same chapter 23, it says one of the criminals who hung there, he said the same thing. He said, but he, he added this, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Aren't you the Christ? Aren't you the Messiah, the one who was supposed to come? And look at you, you're on a cross. Save yourself if you are who you say you are, who these people say you are. Save yourself. But then he adds, and us, because he knew that we, he was lost. We need saving. But, but I don't want to leave that point without mentioning this, that Jesus was on the cross and, and he could have. He is the only one who could have saved himself from that torture. He could have called down a legion of angels, right? Take them right off the cross, take them all out. But you see, the truth is that if he had saved himself, he would not have saved us. He died the death that you and I would have to die, should have to die payment that you and I should have to pay you see I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2 very interesting passage because look what it says there Acts chapter 2 the preaching that was coming out of the church is just born basically the Holy Spirit has come down Acts chapter 2 and verse 37 they were uh they were so excited, they were so uh, on fire. Look at verse 36. Peter says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What can we do? And this is Peter's answer. Look at it. Verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jump down to verse 40. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Look what he says. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, was he trying to tell them that they could save themselves? No. It was, it was Peter's heart, Peter's desire to point them, and he pleaded with them, you need to turn to Jesus, you can't save yourself. But to save yourself means to turn into the one who can, the one who died, the one who was crucified, the one who was ra raised from the dead. Back in Thessalonians, he says, we ought always to thank God for you. We ought always to thank God for what has, God has done in your life. You know, when we stop and really think about it, we've got to thank God for what he's done in my life. 
what he's done in your life, what he's done in our lives. We've got to stop and thank him. When we start to say, you know, well, yeah, but I did this and I did that. That's really nothing but pride and foolishness, really. He did it all. Look what it says there. It says that, that they were brothers and sisters, of course, who were loved by the Lord. It all began with the Lord. It all it began with His love. It always starts there with His love. God so loved the world. First John says, How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us. It always begins with His love for us. And I want to say to you now very, very clearly, God loves you. He's not like Dave was referring to before he became a believer, that guy with the big hammer ready just to bam you into nothingness. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross, to pay the price, to, to, to go through that agony, that torture that you and I might live. He loves you. It begins with his love. It starts there. But it doesn't end there. Notice, look what it says after that. It says, because from the beginning, he, God chose you to be saved. God chose you to be saved. You say, wait a minute. You just talked all about the fact that we chose. I made the choice. I thought I chose. Isn't that what I said? But now, what does it say here? It says, God chose. God chose you to be saved. Whoa, we have a problem, Houston. So who did choose? Was it me or was it him? Well, you know what? They're both there in the Scripture. It's both true. God chose and I chose. Who chose first? Who's on first? How does that all work out? I don't know. To be honest with you, God puts it all together. God makes it all happen. I want you to turn to Ephesians, back two books, Ephesians chapter 1. You'll see the same message. I referred to it last week, but let's look at it in context here. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Look at verse 4. For He chose us in Him... Before the creation of the world. Before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in, in His sight. In love He predestined us to be adopted as, as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us in the one He loves. See that there? He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. He chose us from the beginning to be saved. That's pretty phenomenal. You say, well, didn't I have any part in it? Yes, you did have a part in it. Somebody has described it like this, and I, and I like this illustration. The, the gate, we call them the pearly gates. I don't know if there's, you know, that's an accurate description. That the Bible talks in about heaven, the big pearls at the gates or whatever, but that's probably where they got it. But, but anyways, at the gate getting into heaven, right? And you look up, and what does it say? It says there, whosoever will. 
Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's what you and I see. But you go through the gate and you look back and on the same gate it says up there, chosen by God before the foundation of the world. Chosen by God before the foundation of the world. God God has done an incredible thing. Now, can you and I understand that? No, we can't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? But he knew, and he worked it out, and, 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 and we'll have to, when we get there, we'll have to ask him, like, how did that all work out again? Your foreknowledge, your predestination, your election, your calling, and my part, can't I kind of like, you know, puff myself up a little bit, but I came to you, and I... And I, and that testimony that we give down here, and God says, wow, what a good testimony to yourself. You know, the testimony isn't about us. The testimony is about what he has done, what he has done. To the praise of his glorious grace, chosen by God before the foundation of the world. Uh, I was reading in Jeremiah How many of you know who Jeremiah is? Let's see if we can get you involved here. Jeremiah, prophet. Jeremiah was not a bullfrog. (laughs) You know, where'd that come from? (laughs) Jeremiah was a prophet, right? And, And they call him the weeping prophet because he just, I guess he cried a lot. And he never had a convert. But it says in Jeremiah chapter 1 that before he was even in the womb, God chose or called him and then before he was even born God anointed him or called him to be a prophet now now can you understand that like how can you and I get our minds wrapped around that that God knew before he was even you know a thought in the parents mind that we're going to have a little Jerry running around here but he had a plan for him he had a purpose for him see that's that's where, we have, that's where our minds kind of break down in terms of knowing how God works all these things out. God had a plan and a purpose for Jeremiah before he was ever even in the womb. God has a plan and a purpose for you and I. I believe that. He's brought us here. He's brought you here even today. He's brought you to this planet, to this place. He's given you a calling and, and for us to find God's work in our lives. So let's look at back at, at, at these verses here. It says that he chose you to be saved, but he then gives some means, some ways that this takes place. The first one there, look in the middle of verse 13. He chose you to be saved, number one, how? Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Notice that that comes first before belief in the truth. Sanct- through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit has done this incredible work, that God, the Spirit... The Holy Spirit, the second, the third part of the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was doing a work in your life. God, by His Holy Spirit, was doing a work in my life before I ever got to that place where I was converted and changed and born again. He was working, and He's he's at work in the world today, the Holy Spirit is today. But one of the things that Jesus said when He was speaking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you know, is the the Pharisee that, that came to Jesus by night, and you know, he was kind of afraid of what people would think. So he came and he asked him, you know, what, what's up with all this stuff? And Jesus told him, you must be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God and you cannot enter into the kingdom of God unless you're born again. 
So I'm one of those fanatical born-agains, as they, uh, you've heard that term? Anybody call you a born-again? Say, thank you. Thank you that you can see that, because I hope you can see that. We heard about that last week, be an example of the believer, be an example of the born-again one. Can they see that you're born again? Anyways, Jesus was talking to this man, and he said these words. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. He said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. See, the flesh, that, that fleshly uh, birth that you and I go, all go through, that's the first birth. But the second birth, that's why he said you must be born again, is a, is a birth of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit brings us new life. He did it. You and I can't bring anything out of our, out of, you know, let's dig, you know, let's dig down deep and bring something up. I tell you, when I've tried that, I come up with some pretty foul-looking stuff. The, di- the deeper you dig, the worse you're going to come up with stuff that just doesn't look all that in all that good, really. But the Holy Spirit, when He comes and He brings this new life into our hearts and lives, that's the real thing. That's the real deal. He says, by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit does His work in us, he does this work with us. That's what he says in the number one means here. The second one, he does talk about belief in the truth. And yes, you and I are called to, to believe the truth, believe and receive. To those who believed and received, John 1.12 says, to them he gave the power to become sons of God or children of God. To those who believed and received. So you and I are, are called to believe in Jesus and to receive him, Yes. So this is one of the means that God uses. But what does Ephesians chapter 2 tell us about that faith? For we're saved by grace through faith, right? We're saved by grace through faith and not by works so that no one can boast. But it says we're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. Right? Talking about what? About the faith. We can't even say, well, I, I, you know, I, I, got, you know, I got all fired up and I got faith. And then I believed and so I was saved, brother. That kind of thing. No. We have to, if we look at it honestly, say, well, you know, I was lost and God gave me the faith to believe and trust in him. Well, how does that work? Ask him. Just be thankful that you are saved. Just be thankful that you have the faith to believe and trust. That you haven't turned away. That you haven't, you know, been deceived by the big lie that we read about last time. The delusion that comes upon all the world for those who refuse to believe. God gave you the faith. We must call upon him. We have to call upon him. When does he give you the faith? I don't know. How are you going to work all that out? How are you going to figure all that out? They, you know, they, they, others have described it like the two 
two rails of a, of a train track, right? That, that you see they're both distinct. You have the you know, responsibility and the free will of man, and then you have the, the sovereignty and the power of God, and, and they're both there. You both find them in the Scripture. You read it and you go, wow, but I thought. And then you read the other one, yeah, but I thought. Well, who cares what you and I think? What, what he thinks is what matters. But, you know, people have described it like the railroad tracks where you're looking, but in the far, far distance, you can see they kind of become one, don't they? Mm-hmm. Way off there. And, and one day we're going to understand how those things work together. Not, it's not bad to think about it, not bad to, to ask God, well, what's your part, what's my part? Because we need to really do our part. And we read verse uh, 15, he talks to them, you need to stand firm, you need to hold to these teachings. You need to really do what you're supposed to do. But thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Look at verse 14. He called you to this. He loved us. He chose us. He called us. He called you to this to be changed, to be born again, to have, a, have eternal life, to have a, a life-changing, incredible experience that you and I could never do for ourselves. He, he called us to it. He gives us one more means here. He calls us to it through the gospel. Through our gospel, he says. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, through believing in the truth, and through the gospel, this word gospel. I think about it because it, it kind of rolls off our tongues, you know, the, the gospel. But, you know, when you go to the, somebody you work with and say, do you know the gospel? They say, what are you talking about? I don't even know what that word is. Like, what does that mean, gospel? Well, we know that it means good news, right? So we, we can't just say, well, it's the gospel. We, we need to know what, what is the gospel. What is this message that we have? Paul says in uh, Romans, excuse me, in 1 Corinthians, he said that God was, was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached or through the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. And he's speaking about the gospel there. He says in Romans 1, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. This gospel is the means that God uses to bring people to this place where they're changed forever so you and I should really know what that is right I'm going to share the gospel with you and I don't even know what the gospel is what's what what good news we probably shouldn't even use that word necessarily good news is better. I've got some good news for you instead of I got a gospel for you what I got some good news for you 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 know I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15 because Paul He just defines it in the very simplest of terms. And you and I can understand this. There are certain things we may not understand about some of the issues that we've been talking about today, but we can understand this. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, he says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Kind of important, this gospel, this message, right? He says, I preached to you, 
I shared it with you. You received it. You've taken your stand on it. And by it, you are saved. But hold firmly to it. And this is it, verse 3 and 4. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, the most important thing, he said, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel message. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. That's what Peter was, was pleading with them. Repent and, believe, and be baptized that, that your sins would all be forgiven. Christ died for my sins. What keeps me out of heaven? It's my sin. Why can't I save myself? Because I'm a sinner. I'm a rotten, filthy sinner. And, and any of you sitting here thinking, well, I'm not really a sinner. I got news for you. I'm going to pass out mirrors now to everybody. Just have a look. Take a good look. Did you ever lie? Did you ever cheat? Did you ever, you know, think bad about someone, want to kill someone? Did you ever, you know, do things that you weren't supposed to do and, and, and deceive? If you've ever, you know, been around young children, you don't even have to teach them how to deceive or manipulate. Have you noticed that? Have any of you been around little children? You don't have to teach them. Now, son, uh, you know, you got a two-year-old. I'd like to teach you the fine points of manipulation. What parent would ever do that? No, the parent says, listen, where did you learn how to manipulate? And I want you to stop it right now, right? You didn't have to teach it to him. It's, the sin nature is within us. Paul says, in, I mean, David says in Psalm 51, in sin I was conceived, born. I was born in sin. We're, we're sinners from birth. It's not like, you know, we... we uh, we, we start off kind of good, and then we kind of make a few little mistakes, and then we become sinners. No, we're born sinners. We're born in sin. We received it. We, it's kind of like something we can say thank you to Adam for, right? He kind of passed it on to us kind of thing. That's what Romans tells us, right? We're sinners. We've been passed along from Adam. I guess we could thank Eve a little bit, too. He says, Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. That's a simple gospel. Back in 2 Thessalonians, that's what He says, isn't it? That we, He called you to this through our gospel. He called you to this through our gospel. And He, he wasn't talking about any special gospel. He says the gospel that we preached, and that's what it was there. 1 Corinthians 15 Three and four, you can go back and look it up anytime. But what, do, what do I need to let people know? Hey, you know what? God loves you. God loves you, and, and he, wants to, he wants you to have eternal life. He loves you, and, and he died for you. He died for your sins. He died for my sins, and he's changed me. He's done an incredible work. He, he has changed my life completely, totally, as I trusted in him, as I believed in him. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. The last thing, notice there in verse 14, 2 Thessalonians, he says that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. We saw the spiritual blessings that we, are, we have in Ephesians. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. 
But he says here that we might share in the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. Do any of you deserve to share in his glory? Nah, not a single one of us. But we get to, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. What he's done in my life, what he's done in your life, hopefully you have, you have, you have that. And I want to say thank God for you because of what he's done in your life. Thank God that he's turned your life around. I want to read just a couple of um, instances where I, I found it says, thanks be to God. But thanks be to God that... Hello? <laughs> thanks be to God. I thought God was speaking. He's breaking in right now. He's gonna... <laughs> Whoa. Press pound. No. Thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Thanks be to God, you've been set free. Romans 6. Romans 7. What a wretched man I am, Paul says. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who's going to rescue me from this? I, I'm a sinner. 1 Corinthians 15, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We can remember that one. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Who do we have to thank here? Not me. I thank God for you. I don't thank you for you. I thank you for certain things, but, but I thank God for you, Paul said. We ought always to thank God for you. Why don't we just take a minute and and think about your life. Has God done something in your life? Or maybe, he, maybe you still haven't surrendered to Him. Maybe you haven't got to that place where you're willing to say, God, whatever you want to do with me, go ahead and do it. I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm able. And, and, and there is a, this point where we have to, by our will, say yes to Him. And, and He comes in and does an incredible work. Maybe you're at that place. Or maybe you've been struggling along and, and, and you know what? You said, you know, I gave my life to Jesus and he did a wonderful work in my heart and life and I want to thank you, God, for that. But maybe also you're kind of like those ones in Galatians where, you know, you begin in the spirit and you want to finish in the flesh. You know, he says, you know, you, you started off really well. You, you, you know, God did a wonderful work in your life, but now you're kind of like trying to work it yourself, trying to... To, to make the rest of the salvation yours, trying to, like, by your own effort, make it happen. Now, we got to get back to the place where we say, God, it's you. By your spirit, continue to work. By your spirit, bring me, bring me along this path. By your spirit, I want, I want and, I, and I need to, to follow you wholeheartedly. I don't know where you are. I know where I am in the middle of my heart. It's a daily thing, though, isn't it? It's a daily thing. But I find 
over and over again that when I focus on me, I don't get very far. It's ugly. It's not nice. But when I focus on Him, that's where it happens. Let's pray together, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy, thy great salvation so rich and free. God, you have done a great work. From beginning to end, you took uh, lost, hopeless, helpless sinners and you did something. You changed our lives that we would now belong to you, that we would now be a part of your family, that we would now have an inheritance in heaven, a place that you're preparing for us, that we will be with you forever and ever. We thank you for that, Lord. We do surrender. We do, uh, as Peter said, repent and turn to you. But you have done it all. We give you glory and honor. May you forgive us, Lord, of, of trying to, to finish in the flesh, in our own efforts couldn't get ourselves saved and we can't keep ourselves saved. It's all you beginning to end. And Father, I also pray this morning for any who maybe perhaps they have never came to that place where they want to see God uh, do something in their life to change them, to give them hope. Maybe you're lost and you wandered in here and you, and you say, wow, what's that all about? Well, we heard it last week, taste and Taste and see that the Lord is good and you open your heart and life to Him today. He will, he will come in and He will do an incredible work in you. And all you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is look to the cross. Look to Jesus. You can do that right here, right now, in the quietness of your own heart. Father, we give you glory that you are mighty to save as we sing this song now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, shall we, and sing that song.